I want to talk to you today for the next few uh, minutes. Man, I have an over an hour. Now, David, your face didn't look like you was that sad about when I no. <laughs> Dave said, "Oh, yeah. no, I'm kidding. I'm messing with him. He knows it." No, uh, I want to talk to you the the next few minutes uh, on this topic. Um, what are you offering? What are you offering? Um, you know, there's a lot of times we look at life and we look at people, and especially in jobs and in their life, and we say, well, they're just not really giving it their all. You ever, you ever done, you have an employee or an employer or a co-worker, you say, but if they just do a little bit more, I mean, they can do more. It's, they're capable, but they just, they're just kind of, well, I can't say the word that sometimes the phrase, but they're just kind of halfway doing it. Amen? They're just halfway. They're just doing enough to get by. I heard it said this way, that you can take a, a, a lazy person, and they don't do anything, and nobody says a word. But you take that person that's working all the time and doing everything, the minute that they slack off one hour, everybody notices. So I want to talk to you about this subject, what are you offering? I'll start my text. I've got two different texts, but I, I'm going to give you uh, something from Leviticus that will be supporting what I'm going to talk about in Malachi. Malachi and Leviticus, that's in the Old Testament. Oh, so it's good stuff. So we like the New Testament, right? The New Testament, you like the New Testament because, you know, that New Testament, well, that's about the blessings and glory to God. And the New Testament is much about, I mean, the Old Testament is much about blessings as the New Testament, if not more. Watch this. Leviticus chapter 22, verse 17, starting at verse 17, reading through verse 22. What are you offering? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them, whatever a man of the house of Israel or the strangers in, his, in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his freewill offerings, which they offer to the Lord as a burnt offering, you shall offer... <clears throat> Of your own free will, a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep, and from the goats. So just an overview. When they would come and, and bring sacrifices, it had to be a male, and it could not have a blemish. Okay, stay with me. I'm going to make a point. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. And whoever offers a sacrifice, a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Verse 22. Those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an, un, uh, an ulcer, a skin rash or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar to the Lord. Now, I want to make this very clear at the onset of this message. This is not talking about you going through life. This is not about how uh, you, whether you're perfect or not when you come to the Lord. That's not what this is about, okay? So be clear. This is not about salvation here, okay? This is not about you having problems and issues. That's not what this is about. Because I don't know of anybody in this room that doesn't have problems or issues or that come into this house of God that doesn't have uh, flaws. So this is not what that's about. So be clear, okay? I want to talk to you, though, about what you're offering. What are you offering? What is your offering? In Malachi chapter 1, 
Malachi chapter 1. Last book, Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. Uh, most people associate Malachi with tithing and offerings in Malachi chapter 3. And so most preachers stay away from that unless they're money hungry. We could care less here. You do wonderful in giving, so thank you. Amen. But I want to pre preach to you today from Malachi 1.6. Now, we have the basis of an offering. Now, um, the Lord is having a conversation, uh, if you will, with Malachi. And he's um, talking about the children of Israel. But how many of you know that uh, we've been grafted in? And when he talks to the children of Israel, it's, it's also speaking to us. So when the Word speaks to the children of Israel, it speaks to us too. It speaks to all the Gentiles. As a matter of fact, it gives reference to that in a moment. But let's look at verse 6. Chapter 1, Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? Now, God's speaking. Now, I want to do it a little. I'm going to preach to you a little different. I'm going to kind of do a Wednesday night thing to you, okay? Some of you that get to come in on Wednesday nights, you get a little more teaching. And that's what I want to do today. So I'm going to stop occasionally and, and give you some definitions of some words and what they mean so we can kind of put this together in the end. So it says, where is my honor? Well, what is honor? The word honor in this text means splendor or glory. So God is telling, talking to Malachi, and he says, so a son honors his father, a servant honors his master. If I am the father, where is my splendor? Where is my glory? Now, he's not talking about that I've lost it somewhere and it's in heaven and I'm trying to figure out where it is. He's not asking the question because it's misplaced. He said, as a child, as a son of the father, a son would naturally give honor to his father. But you as a Christian, where is my glory and my splendor that you're supposed to give me? Remember the title of my message? What are you offering? Do you? Ah, it's not that important. Some of us, I believe, so many times it's going to get salty. We come in and we, we don't really give God splendor and glory and honor to what he believes. We just think that God is there as a convenient God. I'm going to need something, so I'm going to give you a little praise. Woo, woo. But if I don't need anything, you, you're really just there. Matter of fact, if, if I don't really need anything from you, you're not that important to me. Matter of fact, I won't give you glory or splendor when I don't need anything. But the moment something goes wrong in our lives, all of a sudden we're on the glory hallelujah bandwagon. We want to drive that, that wagon. Okay? It'll get better. And if I'm a master, where is my reverence? This word reverence means to cause astonishment and awe, to be held in awe. You know, when we come in to worship God and bring our offering of praise and glory, you know, you can't impress God with the stuff you bring, the check you, the, the check you write, what you wear, how good you are in the music department, how much you teach, how many times you've taught in a row, how many services you've attended and haven't missed. You know, that doesn't impress God. Some of you just got upset. That does not impress God with your ability to do anything. You know, what, you know what gets God's attention? How you worship him. How do you reverence him? How do you honor him? Do you bring him splendor and glory and honor? Are, you, do, are we still in awe as a church when we come into his presence? Are we in awe and astonishment? Where are we at as a church body, as an individual, as, as priests of our homes, as, as moms and dads and children? What are we doing? 
It was said like this by a preacher. I think it was Robert Moore said, here's the problem. We've gotten over getting saved. You remember, go back to that moment you got saved. And you knew your life was going to be different. Something happened inside of you, and it changed. And you were so excited. You were like, yes, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but yes, this is so good. And you wanted to tell everybody you could. Why? It wasn't because you did anything. It wasn't because you couldn't, you, you forgot all of your past. It wasn't, it wasn't even because you'd done something great because you just got saved yesterday. But you couldn't wait to get to work to share Jesus Christ with everybody. Now, I'm going to tell you what God's done in my life. You were what? In astonishment. You were in awe of what God had done in your life. And it's like, this is so good. It's better than to sail over the mall. Come on now. And I believe the church has gotten over getting saved. And our awe and our astonishment of God is like, okay, I've seen that, done that. What offering are you bringing? You say, well, pastor, everybody does that. Well, I'm, not, I'm just speaking to you. I'm not speaking to everybody. I'm just speaking to me when I, when, when, he was speaking to me when I was putting this message together. He wasn't speaking to my wife, really. I made a little joke about it. I want him to be speaking to her. I wanted him to speak to you and leave me out of it. Problem is, I get the messages before you get them. What are you offering? Are you, are you over the awe of God? If God had done a great miracle in your life, you wouldn't be over it. You'd be rejoicing. You, let me tell you what God's done. You'd be on the phone. Man, you'd be calling. You, everybody would be on speed dial. You, 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 you would run up an enormous bill just trying to tell everybody. You'd want to get up and, and, and go through town with a, with a big megaphone telling everybody what God's done in your life if you'd done a miracle. He's done one. The greatest miracle to me is you getting saved. Think about that. Put that all together. That's a miracle in itself. That, a, a miracle that he just loved me so much where I was. Mm. It says, where's my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but you say, in what way have we defiled you? Now see, in the Old Testament, they would bring food in. There was a table of showbread that they had in the, in, in, in the holy place. Not the most holy place, but in the holy place, inner court. And, and then they, they had an altar outside. And they would bring the, the, all, the, the meats and they would uh, cut them a certain way. And they had a, a, different, a certain procedure that they had to go through, a, a ritual, if you will, in order to offer this sacrifice on the altar. And, and what, what he's saying here is you've defiled the food on my altar. Well, what did they do? They would bring these blemished lambs and cattle and sheep and goats. They would bring blemished and say, well, here it is, God. You know, you're just a God. You just, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of busy. And I couldn't catch that crazy sheep. You know, they, they were running around. They knew he was going to come. He was going to die. And I couldn't catch him up in the pen. So I just, I got what I got. You know, go, you know me, God, I, I, I'm doing my best. Come on, spit and get salty. I'm doing my best, Lord. You know, Lord, I, I just barely got to church. You ought to be thankful that I'm here. I mean, I, I, you know, I got, I got nine kids. I got all this. You know, and, and, and Lord, you know, last night, I stayed up late last night, you know, Lord. I mean, I just couldn't put, put, put the alcohol down. I'm sorry, Lord. I just, and I'm, I got here. Did I say that? I just, I just couldn't cut off the TV. And, Lord, you know, I, I wanted to get up. And, and so just be thankful I'm here. And he's saying, yeah, you come in. And you're so tired and you can't do anything. You've worked hard all week. Thank God for you that work hard all week. 
But if you work so hard that you can't worship God, you're working too hard. You got your priorities wrong, let me tell you. Because you know what you're doing? You're bringing in an offering that is defiled. I didn't say you were defiled. I, I didn't say you were sinners. not about that, remember? You're bringing us in. Look, if, if you're so out of energy and you're so out of, you're down on your luck and you're just, oh, woe is me, and that you can't worship the God uh, who saved you, your awe of him is gone. You brought a defiled offering and said, Lord, here it is. Take what you can. If you can suck it out of me, Lord, I'll lift my hands. Lord, if, you, if gold does fall from the ceiling, I'm going to worship you. But if you don't do that, you must not be here. What offering are we bringing, church? Woo! I love you so much. You have, uh, verse 7, you have offered devout food on my altar, but saying, what, what, what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. You know what that is? You know what that word contemptible means? If you want to know what the Bible is, you do some word studies. That word contemptible means obsolete. He says, you come in and basically you say, well, we don't really have to do this. Now, this is still Old Testament. They did have to do it. Okay? This is not New Testament. I'm not talking about we got to go out and start raising sheep and goats and cows and, and come in and bring them on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about. This is Old Testament. He says, but you have done it this way. And he, and he said, well, I don't really like doing that. You know, that's kind of ritualistic. And, and man, I, you know, that's tiresome. And, and look at all this blood and the flies around here. I mean, my God, come on. Can we do something different? Matter of fact, why don't we have a church meeting and we'll just say that this part is obsolete. We don't really have to do it that way. Just because somebody said we did a long time ago, let's change that. And God says, it's not obsolete. Your worship to me is not obsolete. The lifting of your hands, the rejoicing in your heart is not obsolete. But yeah, we make it obsolete when we come in and say, mm, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Come on, Ed, I, I was raised with that song. And guess what? The people I was raised, some of them took it to heart. When it come to worship, they took that song to heart. They wasn't going to be moved no matter what. Amen. Jesus could walk the aisles. I will not be Come on, what do we like today? What offering are you bringing? Have we made the worship? I've had people tell me, the worship is not that important. We need the word. We need the word. Then I've had people say, we need worship. We need more worship. Not necessarily the word, but we need worship. Y'all want to know what I told those people? You're very immature as a Christian. You're on the milk. You got to have both because you can't separate. You can't put God over here and say there's no worship that belongs to him. You must worship God. He is a God and he must be worshiped in spirit and truth. So it's, it's, it's not, you, you can't separate. You can't say God's over here and he's, he's only a God of his word, but he, can't be, he doesn't need to be worshiped. He must be worshiped. Matter of fact, if you're a true worshiper, as I just quoted, you're going to worship. He is a God to be worshiped. How are we worshiping? What does your offering look like when you come to him? Matter of fact, is it even an offering at all? See, offerings when you bring something to him. If I offer Scotty a gift, I'm bringing it to you. Is it that we only go to God when we want something to be given to us? When we want the offering? Lord, I'm going to need what you have. I need you to do A, B, C. What does your offering look like? 
Is it always you asking for God? Hey, God's a big God. He can handle it. Don't get me wrong. He's got your stuff. But I think so many times we're so shallow in our word. We're so shallow in our awe and reverence to God that we forget some of the very important things of worship. And Lord, what can I bring you? If you're like me, when I came to God, I didn't have anything to bring him. I wonder, what can I bring God? All he wants is you. You bring what you got. Come on. If you read the Old Testament, you study out sacrifices, you say, well, I don't have what this person has. I don't have what this person has. Look, he, he had, look, if you didn't have this, you could do, bring this. If you didn't have, uh, if you wasn't at this uh, economic status, you could bring this and right on down the line. God has this great plan that all he wants is what you have. And that's you. You, you, you. you don't even own your spouse. You can't even make them worship. Come on, this is good stuff. The only thing that, only person you control is you. How are you going to worship? What are you offering? Let me move on. Verse 8. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, watch this, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Do we, give, do we give more of our energies and our time to our bosses? Watch this. Our thoughts, our emotions, our expressions, do we give more of those to our family than to God? Oh, that's a real big deal nowadays. Most people say, oh, it's, we, you know, family's first. I, I don't dispute that. But uh, it's first behind God. And we want to put our families, our spouses, uh-oh, our things, our emotions in front of God. That's what we want to do. Matter of fact, that's what we do most of the time. We put things in front of God. Would we offer these things? How would we react if we knew uh, a high-ranking official would come into this place, was going to come by. The governor of Arkansas or the president of the United States. How, man, we would be there. Look, we need to be on the best. We want to make sure everything's clean. Let's make sure all the yard's perfect. Let's, let's make sure all the roads are straightened. Listen, man, we're going to have a work day. Come on now. On Saturday so everything can be perfect. We're going to lock the door so nobody can come in. Matter of fact, we're going to stand guard so nobody smudges the windows. It's going to be great. When they come here, they're going to say, man, LVA Church was something. Man, we came all the way down. We didn't expect this in, in, in southeast Arkansas. Man, man, it was spot on. Oh, and we like to cook and eat around here. Oh, don't, don't ask us to cook a meal for you. We're going to lay out the feast. It's going to be perfection. Everybody, there's going to be 20. We already have this, but so, I was going to say there's going to be 27 taste testers. We already have that. But so... But the, man, everything's going to be perfect. We're not going to eat on paper plates. Oh, no. Oh, we're going to go down. We're, we're going to Sam's and get the nice giant. <laughs> Why? Because somebody important comes. You know what happens? We get to going through the motions of going to church and doing church. Oh, God, i got to go to church. i got to go do this. What do I forget that? I have to serve or I get to serve. I, I have to go to church or I 
get to go to church. Uh, watch this. Here's another one. I want to go to church. Oh, Lord, the preacher, he's going to get up and make an announcement. Then we're going to have to stand up for two hours and you're going to have to do some worship. And you ought to just sit down. Matter of fact, I got an idea. Don't come till after that's over. Because the Bible says you're giving a defiled offering. And would he accept it? Would a governor accept it? That's what he says. I'm just repeating what the Word of God says. What offering are you bringing? Is it an offering? I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about where is your heart? Where is your spirit? Where are your emotions? Where is your mind? Is your mind running a million miles an hour? Did you think in worship... I wonder if we're going to sing this song two times. And I wonder, I hope we get out early today because there's not a lot of people. I hope, we, hope he hushes right on down and we get to this. We got to go eat because I think they're having a good special down at the restaurant. Or when I get out of church, I'm a, I got plans today. I'm going to go do A, B, and C. And then your mind's running out. I got to mow the yard. I got to go do this. I'm going to do this. And all the time you do, oh, I got to, oh, oh man, I got to get, get, get mow that yard. And, and then when I'm going to water the grass, and, and you got your hands up the whole time, your eyes closed, and you, you mouth in the song. You didn't know you could do so many things at one time. You mouth in the song, thinking about something told them, and got your hands raised up. It looks good in appearance. But see, God said He had a problem with that. You brought the blind and the lame and the defect. See, what I'm trying to get across to you is you're defective in what you're offering. I'm not talking about your service. I'm talking about your worship. I'm talking about how, you, how do you honor God. Is it with, come on, now I'm going to get real, salty. I should have passed out water this morning. I don't like that song too much, so well, I'm not going to worship as much. I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. Oh, but I like that one. Mm, mm. Come on now. Y'all know we do that. So is that song that gives honor to God not worth honor because you don't like it? Let me just throw this in. How much honor and worship do you give him during the week? Anyway. I mean, did you go over your limit of 168 hours? I mean, what is your limit? 1%? Well, 1% be 1.6 hours. I, I dare to say that no one in this church worshiped him for 1.6 hours this week. It's a 10%, 5%. I meant my quota, God, you know, whoo, I brought you 1.6 hours, 1%. What are you going to do, God? I'm going to need a... Shouldn't have worshiped at all. See, he's worthy of worship whether he does anything for you or not. Now, that's easier spoken than walked out. I get it, then lived out. I get that. That's the way we live our lives most of the time. Continuing in the last part of verse 8. It says, would, you accept, would, would he accept you favorably, speaking of the governor, says the Lord of hosts? Are we giving our best efforts, our best energies, our best thoughts, our best abilities, all of those things to ourselves or to others instead of the Lord? What are you offering? What are you offering to the Lord? I'm not talking about to the church. I'm not talking about to the preacher, the worship team. I'm saying, what are you offering to the Lord? The one who has saved you, that has set you free. That is, oh, we love this song. Led you out of, a, uh, out of bondage. Come got you out of Egypt. Glory to God. 
set your set you uh, in, in that victory victory lane. Well, you love that one. Woo! Get your worship on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch this. What if he doesn't get you out of your Egypt? What if you turn out to be a Joseph? Come on. That's right. He's worthy. It's not based on what he does for you. But that's the way our Western culture and thought process is. If you do good for me, I worship you. But the moment you quit doing things for me, I quit worshiping you. I won't worship you then. I mean, because, you, you know, you're supposed to be a God of love. And somewhere in here, this is not love. Well, let me just tell you something about that. God is love regardless of what you or I think. The Bible says he's love, so he's love. But God doesn't have to do a thing for you or me. He never has to do one thing for you or me. He doesn't say that I'm going to do all these things for you. Oh, there's some things in the Bible that says, if you do this, I'll do this. And you, but he's not at your beck and call. Pastor, you're doing a great job today. I hope somebody's listening. <clears throat> Verse 9. But now entreat God's favor. Things begin to change. See, he gives all of these things about, don't do this because this is un, that's unacceptable. This, but now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by our hand, by your hands, will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts, verse 10, who is there even among you who should shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Watch this. I'm going to finish that verse in a minute. What he's saying right here says, who is there to say that's not true worship? Who is there to say, do not bring that lame sheep? Who is here, who is there to say that is not acceptable to God? Who is there to say that 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 that, that sheep or that goat, that was blind. You shouldn't do that. You say, Well, Pastor, who's gonna do that? Well, I'm giving you a message today. But Jesus did this already. Matthew 21, I believe it was. It's not on, I don't have it up there, but up 21, where he went, goes into the temple. And he called it, he said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. What did he do? He said he turned over the money changers and those that sold doves. You know what was going on? You could bring an offering into the temple at, at that particular time uh, at once a year. You could bring it in and guess what? You'd say, well, uh, I got one. And the inspectors would look it over and say, mm, it's blemished. <laughs> this, this dove doesn't have, a, doesn't have one of the, the, the little toenails on it. It's blemished. We got to sell you another one. Oh, you got one? Well, yeah. I just happen to have a few left. I mean, but now look, I, I'm, I'm about down to, they're all perfect, but I'm down to just a few. They're kind of high dollar. <laughs> but you want God's blessing on you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kids, let's rob the piggy banks. We got to get a little money up together because we got to buy the perfect dove. We got to buy a perfect sheep or lamb. And well, they they'd do it and they charge them two or three times the money because it was the holy sheep, holy lamb or whatever. And they would exchange that and they would get that 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 perfect one, which was not perfect, and made Christ really, really upset. The one time that you see an expression of his anger, he turned over the tables, made a, got a whip and started whooping folks. Come on, that's what he said. He, he, and, he, and he run them out of the temple. He, he was upset. Why? Because they were trying to give God 
his father something that wasn't acceptable. See, even in the New Testament, see, they hadn't changed all that. He hadn't died yet, so they're still under the law. Come on, think about that. He hadn't died. He hadn't, he hadn't been raised from the dead yet. They're still under those old principles. The new ones are still fixing to come. I know it's New Testament, but the principles hadn't came yet. He hadn't died. He hadn't been raised from the dead. And he said, you're giving me something. You're giving my father worship and an offering that's defiled. It's a huge problem, church. We say, well, I'm going to do it my way. No, I got what you need. What, what needs to happen is a committee meeting. What needs to happen is we need to sing my songs, your songs. They, they sing too much. They don't sing enough. The preacher's too long-winded. What needs to happen is this, this, and this. Well, I know this from my experience. Anytime I got my eyes on Christ, I don't know what you're doing anyway. I'm not saying to be ignorant about what's happening. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what? I'm a common sense kind of guy. I'm not saying just close your eyes and be blind to everything that's going on. That's not what I'm talking about. Who cares whether we sing your song or my song? Who cares if we sing it one or two or three times? If the Lord's been lifted up, it shouldn't matter. You can sit, stand, or lay. I don't care. Just don't get in my way. When it comes to worship, come on. You know, it says, I got more worship when I stand up. No, no. You can have worship sitting down. You can have worship laying down. You can have worship jumping. I don't care how you do it. But let's, let's bring true worship. And you're the only one, and guess what? You're the only one that comes in. And when, you know when you got your hands up and with your minds running, like I said earlier, a, a million miles an hour, running all of you're the only one that really knows. You're the only one that really matters because you're only responsible for you. I'm not even responsible for you. Ooh! You mean I had you fooled, but I didn't fool God? Bingo. You win the prize. And God's going to look at you and say, you're bringing me a defiled offering. Oh, it gets worse. Hang on. Nor will I accept an offering from your hands. Uh, no, excuse me. I'm, I'm up. Sorry. Sorry about that. I'm in verse. Uh, where am I at, y'all? Verse 10. Was that in verse 10? Yeah. Nor will I accept the offering from your hands. Who is the one who will stand up for righteousness? Are you the one for you? Or do I have to come along and tell you? Who's going to stand for righteousness? Who will stand for righteousness? Who's going to be in astonishment and awe of God when they come to worship? Are you going to fool everybody? You're going to, you're going to put on this big mask and this facade and say, yeah, I'm worshiping God. You don't even, you, you can't even, you don't even know one of the words, one of the phrases, one of the verses, one of the courses to the songs we sang. You're just repeating words. Here's the sad thing. We know more words about secular songs than we do about gospel songs. That's a side note. Verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. Here we are. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Can the Lord say of you, this is not scripture, this is my thoughts. Can the Lord say of your offering, or you, that it is a pure offering? 
Can the Lord, can you, can you say, Lord, this is a pure offering I'm giving to you, Lord. What's your offering look like to God? doesn't matter what it looks like to the pastor. It doesn't matter that you can skip and jump on one foot for 32 minutes during worship. I'm telling you, if I did that, it would be God for a couple of reasons. One, I'm going to run out of air in about two minutes. And this weight is too heavy for this one foot. I'm just saying, that's God. If you see me do it, you say, He's, that's God. That's anointed right there. You're going to believe that, okay? Can the Lord say of your offering, of you, what you're bringing to him on a daily basis, not just at church, but what you do at work, what you do uh -oh, at, to your spouse? How you, men, how do you treat your wives? Wives, how do you treat your husbands? See, that's an offering, right? Do you make those little jabs and gestures? Do you poke at them? When you know in your heart, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. Should have presented that a little different way. I'm not the best husband in the world. She can tell you. Thank God she's not in here to amen you because that'd be a great big amen. But I try. Not the best. But the other day, I always put hot water in her coffee cup. I've been doing that for several years, so it'd be good. That cup would be good and warm. So when she pours that cup of coffee in her, it doesn't take from the heat of the coffee because we like really hot coffee, okay? By the way, coffee's to be hot, not iced coffee. No, <laughs> that's an opinion. Just mark that out. That has nothing to do with Scripture, okay? And so, but, so I pour that. I, I make that water, get it hot, and I put it in the cup, and I set it on the counter. Well, th this summer, I... I had a lot going, so I, I, I leave really early, 5.30, 6 o'clock. I'm usually gone doing something. And, and she doesn't get up that early. So I quit doing that because, actually, see, if you do it too early, the water will get cold and make the glass even colder. Okay? And so then that didn't help, so I quit doing that. But I felt the need to explain to her why I didn't do it anymore because she expected me to do that. Not because that makes me a good husband. It's just because I did, I wanted to do something for her. Just a little jester. Had nothing to do with it. Not going to get me brownie points in heaven or nothing. But I felt the need to tell her, this is why I don't do that anymore in case you're wondering. I said, did you have to do it? Is she that emotional? You don't know my wife. She just, no, she is not. See, I felt like I wanted to do that because I wanted her to know why I wasn't doing it because I didn't want her to think, I don't care for you that much anymore. I don't care if your coffee's hot or cold. I know that sounds silly. What are you offering? Are you real with God? Are you real with your worship? Let me move on. You're loving this so much, I gotta hurry. Verse 12. But you profane it, the offering, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and it is and its fruit, and its food is contemptible. In other words, it's obsolete, as we said earlier. It's not, we don't have to do all that, it's just ritual. You also say, Oh, what a weariness. Or you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. What is he saying? It's weariness. That word means troublesome, problematic. Is worshiping the Lord, serving the Lord, troublesome? Is it a problem for you? 
Does it make you weary? Lord, I got to read my Bible again. I did that last week. We got to read it every week. You need to read it every day. If you start every day, well, Pastor, you just don't know my schedule, nor do I care when it comes to this kind of stuff. You're no busier than anyone else. I do know this for a fact. We're all allotted 24 hours in a day. What you do with your time is up to you. How you spend it is up to you. Well, Pastor, you know, I, 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 I work a lot. Okay, there's a bunch of people in here that work a lot. They go home with their jobs on their minds that read their Bibles. I don't see how you make it through a day without reading your Bible. That gives you a little encouragement. I can tell, well, if I get up and something, this don't happen much, but it does happen. You've got to be honest, right? We'll speak the truth. you got to speak the truth. Sometimes I get up and I'm, I'm 10 minutes behind. I don't feel like I can read. i got to go because somebody's waiting on me. You know who that is? Me. I got to hurry up and get over there. I got to get there. I'm on a time frame. Well, who's going to say anything? Just me. Come on now. And so, so we rush out of the house, and, and all of a sudden, it's like all day long. He's saying, I just, uh, this thing's just not working for me. It's just, it's just, it's just a, a turmoil. I just can't seem, to, can't seem to focus. I can't seem to get it right today. It just, it just is not working. And it's like, and you go back and say, well, I didn't spend time with the Lord. Now, you say, well, I like to do it at the end of the day. End of the day, first day, whatever. I'm just telling you for me. I like to do it in the morning. Billy likes to get up in the morning and do it. I like Billy. I call Billy sometimes. You know, he gets up. He kicks the rooster to get him to wake up. You know, get up. And the people around here need to, need to hear you crowing when it gets daylight. And the rooster's saying, it's not daylight yet. Yeah, but you be up and awake, ready, you know. And Because uh, he gets up like 4.30 and, uh, you know. And so I don't get up that early. But I've called him pretty early sometimes, you know, 5.30 or so. I'm just finished my prayer time. Hallelujah. You got to be like Billy? No, I'm saying set you aside a, set aside a time. And if you got to get up at 4.30, get up at 4.30. Well, you, oh, I can't do that, Pastor. You know, whew, that's just too early. Well, go to bed before midnight. It's a change. I just can't sleep early. They make pills for that. Some of you are saying, I'm already on pills for that. Well, quit taking them then. Then you'll go to bed. What's this? This is my thoughts. We make mistakes like there's nothing happening. Statements like this. This is what the word, when it talks about weariness, and you're talking about the church and an offering. Here's what we, we make these statements like. There's nothing happening at the church. It was dry. Well, the preacher was off this morning. The worship team just wasn't, they, they, they just wasn't on their, in their groove today. I didn't get a thing out of going to church. Not a person in this room that is not guilty of something similar to these statements. You know what we just did? We took the blame and put it on somebody else for us not receiving or God not receiving our offering because I'm here to tell you that if you bring the right offering to God, He will reciprocate and bless you so much and, and just run, uh, you, run your socks up and down on you. That's just the way God works. He will reciprocate. When you worship Him and honor Him and give Him offering, He says, hmm, that's a good offering right there. 
even when the preacher's dry. Even when we sing two or three songs that you don't really care, that ain't your favorite. What's the Bible says? Watch this. Here's what the Lord says, who's at fault? And you bring the stolen and the lame and the sick. Thus, you bring an offering. If you looked at a different translation, it says, thus, you bring an offering. That word, thus, can say, says, why? Why did you bring an offering? He said, don't bring me the lame and the sick and the defective and the blemished. And he says, when you come like that, why did you even bring it? That's what he told, told the children. Why did you even bring that? You knew I wasn't going to accept it. You knew it wasn't acceptable. And when we come in half-hearted because the world has beat you up and beat you down, do you know the only thing that gives you strength in this? We sang about getting uh, the victory. Do you know what gives you strength is the Lord Jesus Christ, his presence, his anointing. When you give him glory, he refreshes you. And sometimes this is what happens. We come and say, I don't want it. And we run out the door and then we make stupid statements like, well, I didn't get my best, but he should have gave me his best. I know I was just there, but I was going through a lot. Preacher, you just don't know what I was going through. And the worship team, if they'd have done my favorite song, I would have had more victory this week and I would have worshiped God better. And the Lord says, it's your fault. And then we say, well, I'll just take my little toys and I will go to the church down the street because they don't preach like that. Preacher over there, he's crazy saying something's my fault. I came with my problems. I know I got problems, but God loves me the way I am. Mm-hmm. It's not about where he loves you. It's about what offering you're bringing to him and how you're bringing it. Verse 14. But cursed be the deceiver who has, who has in his flock. Now watch this. This is the kicker. This is the rock salt put on the salt wound. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. Watch. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among nations. Do you know you do yourself no benefit whatsoever if you come in half-heartedly in your worship and your offering? If you're listening online, when I say offering, I'm not talking about cash. I'm talking about you. It has nothing, this message has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with your worship and your intent of worship. He says, you're trying to deceive me. And you're accursed. Don't you know that I look past your, your outward appearance? I look past your antics and your expressions and I look at your heart. And when I look at your heart, I see something that is blemished to me. It's not true worship. It's not about whether you're saved or not. I'm not speaking on that. Please hear me. It's about your worship. He says, you're deceived. You're trying to deceive me. You're deceived in thinking that I'm going to accept this, and I'm not going to accept it. I'm a holy God. I'm a great and awesome God. And I'll be honored and I'll be reverent. I'll have the rocks cry out. That's how much worship is important to God. If you won't, you won't do it right. He says, you're deceived and you're cursed. You know what that really means? When you come in and you half-heartedly worship God. 
can't, your, your faith goes no deeper than the worship. Goes no deeper than a good song. You're deceived, friend. He says, bring me you. Now, it may be you may have problems. You may look like a broken stained glass that somebody's put back together. He says, I could use that as long as you bring me what you have. You bring me everything you got. You bring me what you have and let me do a work. Let me be the God of possibilities. No matter what it looks like. The Bible says that we're deceived. For I am a great king. He's a great king. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter if your bank account's full or if it's empty, no matter if you live in a one bedroom apartment or a 10 bedroom home if you live on the left or the right side of the tracks makes him no difference that is that is irrelevant to God what's important to God is that you bring him true offering and guess what when you bring him true offerings of you the way you are the who you are guess what you'll feel like a king in a one bedroom apartment come on You'll feel like the richest person in the world with no money in the bank. Wondering how we're going to get next bill, next month's bills paid. Come on, this is good stuff, church. We've lost the awe and the astonishment of who God is. And it's reflective of our worship. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, let me, let me give you an example. If there's a benefit to us in our lives, we get really excited. If, there's, if we need something in our lives, guess what? We're all about that thing. But when that thing's over in our lives, it's not that important anymore. John Britt, my friend, your brother, a few years ago, one of the most important things in our yard was too many trees and I wanted those trees cut really bad pecan trees dropped a lot of limbs produced no fruit Not, don't have much for fruitless things or people oh hallelujah I mean that with love and man I wanted those bad and your brother came down and with a crew and cut those trees and I was so excited man this is good stuff I've always been a supporter of John 3. You know that for a long time. And I love that. <laughs> God, it's so nice now to go cut grass. I don't spend four hours picking up limbs. I was excited about it. Why? Because I was getting something. See, I could have stopped it right there. And said, I got what I need from you, so therefore I don't support you that much. I don't care for you that much. It's, Yeah. Do we do God that way? We get what we want. We got our need met. I, God, um, I, I, when I need you, I, I tell you what, I, I'll call you. I, I, I'll, I'll let you know if I need you. But but till then, I, I don't really, I don't really have much for you. See, personally, they've done nothing for me since then. 
but I still support and go and support their ministry and their cause because they're changing lives. But grant you this, if I did need them, they'd come. Do you see my point? I know it's so simple, but we have to break down this gospel to be so simple. God is there. He wants to be part of your life all the time. But if you're bringing a half-hearted offering, what do you think God says about it? He says, you're deceiving yourself if you think I'm accepting your half-hearted offering. And every time we come into this church, every time we do something for him, you know where there's half-hearted or not. The Bible says, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. What does that mean? That means give it your best. You wouldn't walk over dead cockroaches at your house for a week, would you? No, you'd sweep them up. I'm just talking about serving now. But we'll walk over paper, crickets, everything else here for a month at a time. Saying, somebody needs to get that. Somebody does clean around here, don't they? Come on, is this real stuff? How are you worshiping? What does your offering look like to God? Oh, I could do more, Pastor, but you know, I just, I, you know, I'm busy. Okay. I get it. The problem is, does God get it? See, He's the one you're going to stand before, not me. worship is good there's going to be times when he's going to say you know this time your worship was uh, you brought something pretty lame to me yeah, mediocre I like that word mediocre just half hearted you, you were there in your body but your spirit was far from worshiping me does God really do that if he doesn't his word's a lie Will you stand with me across this building?